All right, everybody, and welcome to Hattrick Sports Talk. I am Robert Solosi, along with my co-host, as always, Shane Hansen. How are you doing, Shane? I'm doing well, or as good as anybody could be doing during this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Uh, just uh, playing video games, chilling. Uh, we got the WNBA draft going on just as we are recording, so we're going to be talking about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, but let's get started with some NFL topics, shall we? Yes, sir. The draft is, of course, coming up. Uh, let's first start with uh, – actually, I do need to get this up on my phone. But let's first start with Christian McCaffrey. Christian McCaffrey, new contract, four years, $64 million. I think it will start in 2021. What is your reaction to Christian McCaffrey's new contract? You know, I'm a bit surprised, I'll be honest. I – I feel like that's a little high considering really? well just considering they're in the middle of a rebuild I don't know why you would spend that much money on a running back granted he is a huge piece of their offense but you know you got to invest in you know your quarterback and then receivers offensive line there's a lot more to it than just him you know um, yeah and that's just offense but I don't know. I mean, um, if, if there's any running back in the NFL that deserves that kind of money, it's definitely him. So, No, um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I think the biggest thing for me, really, is the fact that he's not just a running back. Right? Remember when we were talking That's about true, him yeah. coming out? And, like, he's a running back slash receiver. He can do, multi, he can do the, multiple of those things. And that's what I thought make, makes the contract make sense is, yeah, they used him a lot more in running back packages last year, but I really thought his dynamic ability of being a receiver can help him out in a lot of different ways as well. And that's yeah. where I agree with the contract more than anything because he's where the rebuild starts. It doesn't start with Teddy Bridgewater. It starts with him. And so for yeah, me, that's, that's why I agreed with, uh, with, what, or with the contract because if they're going to build around anyone – they're going to build around McCaffrey, not Bridgewater, necessarily. Right. Yeah, I mean, well, and plus, I mean, they got to, you know, who knows? Because Bridgewater, yeah, he was good in New Orleans, but, I mean, you look at him in uh, Minnesota, and he was just, you know, average, I guess. So, yeah. I mean, you know, we'll, I mean, you, we don't know for sure how good he'll be in Carolina, but, uh, you know, I'm hopeful that he'll turn out and do well. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm just – I'm not really too excited for the Panthers like this next year, but in three, four, maybe yeah. five years, I think they could have something pretty special going. I, I say they have three years, and I think they're in a position yeah. to draft really well. I love the fact they have Joe Brady there. Yeah. Um, to help with uh, to help with Bridgewater, I think it's a, I think it's they're in a much better spot than people peg them, and I don't think right. they'll be horrible. They're not in a rebuild position where they're going to win one game next year. They'll probably win six no. or seven, assuming obviously we have a full season. But I think they're going to be pretty competitive still, and really be a difficult out for some of these teams, especially if Bridgewater works out. But, yeah, I think, I think they're in a position to be 
in a rebuild, but not as terrible of a rebuild than, let's say, Miami is right now. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, even, even Miami isn't <laughs> in the worst position of any team. But, no, considering uh, their draft picks, no. But I'm just saying based off where they were at this time last year. Right. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean – it's it's tough because they're in I mean they're in such a hard division now especially with Brady down there and, yeah um and then you know New Orleans will be New Orleans uh, right. and then I don't I mean Atlanta who knows what in the world's going on there um, yeah I don't <laughs> think we know um because I mean they they show they show these glimpses especially like at the end of last year of being really good and competitive. Uh, but then, I mean, it's like, you know, what are you doing the rest of the time? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, Atlanta is interesting because a lot of people pegged Atlanta as a really good playoff team, even a Super Bowl contender at this time last year. And and I think a lot of it is just Dan Quinn. And this coaching staff, I, I think, has uh, spent too long with with the organization at this point, because yeah, I mean, all last year, what we were talking about for five weeks straight is Dan Quinn going to get fired and ultimately yeah. decided not to, I don't know what's that reasoning. Um, but well, because, there was no, I mean, there was no excuses last year, you know, cause we talked about the year before they had injury issues. There wasn't injury issues here this year. There's no excuse to why, they should be a team that has lost more than they've won since they made that Super Bowl and lost terribly to the Patriots. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I was – we've kind of talked about this before, but, you know, after that year I was expecting them to come back, maybe not the next year, but, you know, in the, in the next coming seasons. I was like, yeah, you know, they'll, they'll probably be back in the Super Bowl, and I don't know. <laughs> The roster hasn't really changed all that much. No, it has not. I just think the development has changed. Vic Beasley is a good example, man. Vic Beasley was a guy, his rookie season, I think he had like 15 and a half sacks, something around there, 13, 15. Really excited about his development. They really love developing the defensive line. You imagine they'll draft somebody in the defensive line this year as well. I, I don't know what it is because, as you said, the roster is very much the same. I don't know where else to peg it but the coaching staff. I think it's that simple. Yeah. <clears throat> well, it's interesting, too, because, you know, what they what they kept saying last year when they were in their giant win streak was, we're fighting for Dan Quinn. And it's like, yeah. okay, so if you could play this good, why didn't you even do this all along? I don't know. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's odd. Uh, yeah. It, but anyways. Yeah. I think it's, a, it's just a really odd situation. The draft will give yeah. us a glimpse at, like, where their plans are moving forward. But I would expect them to take a defensive lineman, if anything else. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to one of the more confusing stories of the week. I was <laughs> blasphemy by this one. So, first off, this story I knew was false right from the beginning. I knew it. So I know we don't normally talk about false stories on the show, but every story involving this guy seems to be false and or weird, and this was both. 
the Browns were trying were trying to maybe trade Odell Beckham. We've heard this for about a year. But the Vikings being interested, wasn't that a red flag for you, like right when the story came out on Monday? Yeah, they're not they're not a team that I would expect. Um to be fair, I don't know who I would expect to want to pick him up at this point. Uh, right. <laughs> I, I mean, not that he's a bad player, uh, not at all, but just, you know, his behavior and whatnot is questionable. Yeah. It's, um, it's strange because the Browns made – they traded a lot for him, right? Yeah. And yeah. then now here's all these trade rumors. I – the Vikings – look, if Stefan Diggs didn't work with the Vikings, other than Adam uh, – uh, other than um, Thielen. Um, Thielen, excuse me. Jeez. Other than Adam <laughs> Thielen, who's going to work as a receiver in that system? I mean, Laquan Treadwell was drafted. He didn't even work in that system. What do you want me to say? Like, if Diggs didn't work, and I think he'll be pretty good with Buffalo, who who else is really going to work? Who who has a top-flight receiver like Odell? How is he going to work with, with uh, Kirk Cousins when – uh, Diggs was pissed basically the entire time that he never got the ball from Kirk Cousins. How was Odell Beckham any different? Yeah, I, that would be even worse, I feel. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I, I think if so, you yeah. were to give me teams that would work with Odell, I'd probably go with teams with established quarterbacks. How about the Steelers? How about the Seahawks? Yeah, I was going to say Steelers would right. probably be the one that I could see. Yeah, I mean – Anyone who – any team with, like, a really, really stable organization with the quarterback that's, like, you know, can can work well with receivers such as a Roethlisberger or such as a Wilson, those are just the first two teams that pop in my head. Those two make the most sense. Other than that, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I don't know. Um... I just think any any trade rumor with him is bizarre. It, it, they're always false, the and yeah, and they're always false. And I know, obviously, I think in the past there were the Packers might have been interested as well. All of those weren't true. And the fairness is, I I think you always have to look at these Odell Beckham trade rumors, especially now with him with the Browns, with a little bit of a questionable eye more than anything. Right. Yeah, because he's a uh, he's an interesting character. That's for sure. For sure, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, you know, we've been really vocal on this show basically for the past, you know, year since we've done this about the Rams and their cap situation. Obviously, Brandon's been more vocal <laughs> than you and I, but this is something that we've been really, really honing in on. I don't know why this is such an interesting topic to us. It is. But Jared Goff says he's opening to restructuring his contract. The Rams are have a league low, get this, negative six mil in cap room right now. <laughs> uh, Jared Goff having to restructure his contract, that was inevitable. I don't know how the restructuring will work or how it's going to work. But again, the fact they're in this situation is just, um, just incredible. Yeah. How much was Goff getting paid per year? Uh, I am not sure. It was like in the high sure. 20s, right? Something like that, yeah. Um, yeah, that's ridiculous. I'm just going to say it. For a guy like him, what are you thinking paying Goff? I'm, I'm looking this up. Hold on. <laughs> I mean, 
the only average salary is thirty three million dollars. Thirty three and a half mil. Thirty oh three million dollars for goth. And a half, I, but yeah. And a half. <laughs> I I okay. I don't know what who so, made so, that deal. So um, let's go back. Let's go back here. Because okay. when I first heard of the deal, I was like, okay, I get it. I right? never because did. because here's the deal. How hard is it to get a franchise quarterback in the NFL? I mean, this draft class is kind of loaded at the quarterback position, let's be kind of honest. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, like, if you know you have a franchise guy, especially the fact that he made a Super Bowl, and I think a lot of that was due to his talent. Obviously, the Super Bowl was terrible, but he had a really good playoff run. (laughs) I wasn't necessarily like, oh, the contract is terrible. No, I was like, it's okay. It's not necessarily perfect, but it's okay. But then when you realize all the other moves they made on top of that, that's where it becomes more questionable than you would have initially thought when the contract was announced. Well, I I mean, I think he's a guy that needs – talent around him in order to be effective yeah. you know which i mean there's there's two guys in the nfl who i would say deserve more than 30 million a year and that's mahomes and wilson because the thing is those are guys that you really want in your franchise because they don't need super talented guys around them to make plays and to win it helps but they don't exactly need it Goff, I I don't I don't think he's one of those guys. I don't I don't think you can give him thirty three million thirty three and a half million dollars a year. And it, it depends on the situation, right? Because if yeah. you so Mahomes and Wilson are good examples. I also will put Lamar in there when his contract uh, does inevitably be able to be resigned. Uh, I don't know about him, situ- but yeah. Why, why not, though? They, they, they structured their entire team game. around him. Fine, but they structured their entire team around him, and he's inevitably well, but, going to win one. Here, here's the here, I mean, yeah, he's going to win a Super Bowl probably, but here's, here's the thing. He – and, yes, he's still young, but, like, you look at the Ravens roster. How many Pro Bowlers do they have on offense? Uh – yeah, I will admit the receiving core is pretty bad. The it's tight like, end core is good. The receiving core is quite bad. The offensive line is amazing. And the running back Mark, position is good. Mark Ingram is good, but he's older. Um, what I'm saying really is he, he's got about that. He has tons of talent all around him. Yeah, and he does. He, you know, I just I, – I don't – I don't know. The team is more built for him than anything. But I think, it, again, here's another example. Matthew Stafford. If you're the Lions, is he not worth that kind of money? Yeah. Like, if uh, you're, it depends on the situation, right? I think more often than not, this is so situationally based. If you're the Lions, Stafford's been there for so long. I don't know how you can do better. And I don't think the Lions are in a position with Matt Patricia to want to go look for a quarterback, even in this draft class. Yeah, I, I just don't know if Detroit is really the best fit for him. It's I don't know, because, I mean, I, 
Yeah. You know, you but and anyway. I have spoke on this a lot, that the Lions last year were just so interesting and fun to watch, and we thought they were probably going to be in a good spot coming up. Yeah. Well, they looked promising at the beginning of last year. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, they they started, like, what, 3-1 and one or something? Yeah. Or no, they tied their first game. Well, anyways. Um, yeah, what were we so, talking about? <laughs> we're talking about Goff's contract. And we oh, just went yeah. on a tangent about contracts. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I just right away when I heard $33 million for God, I mean, he's like a C-plus talent at best, in my opinion. So uh, you, can go, like, you can go B minus, B. Yeah, I don't know. It's like 33, like what? what is, what, what are you doing? I mean, I, I but, get but that. But again, but again, what, what, if you're the Rams, though, and I, and I get it. The contract looks even worse now considering their cap situation. If you're the yeah. Rams, do you really want to go out and look for a quarterback in this draft? Do you really think that's your primary need? Or do you want to make it your primary need? I just don't think so. Well, no, but that doesn't mean you have to give Goff $33 million. It means that you kind of have to because these quarterbacks are always looking to be the highest paid, regardless of which, just because the position is so important. Well, yeah, I guess. I you don't know. know. I mean, so like it's it's a yin yang thing. It's like, do I want to go back in the draft pool and redevelop when I know I have this guy that can work and got me to a Super Bowl, or or am I just like I'll just pay him and then figure out the rest? Even though, let's be honest, the Rams haven't figured out the the rest well considering their cap situation. Yeah, or I'd give him like a one year tag. And see how he yeah, does. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. You, I, they probably would. They probably would have done that, but I don't know. Hi, hindsight be, for the Rams. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, but hindsight for the Rams is killer because hindsight yeah. would tell you, yeah, tag golf. Hindsight would tell you. Uh, they they didn't look ahead. Gurley. Yeah, hindsight would tell you don't sign Gurley till you have to. You know all these things. Uh, yeah, I just think hindsight's twenty twenty for them, and unfortunately, it 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 kills to look back if you're a Rams fan with that. Yeah, yeah, no, I just did, I, I yeah, I just think they were too focused on now instead of planning a foundation for the future and whatnot. But yeah, that's too bad, yeah. but it is what it is, I guess. Yeah. All right, let's move to uh, O.J. Howard. So last year, O.J. Howard um, was a guy who just didn't have a great year last year because Bruce Arians didn't really work in his system. You know, he's not really a tight end developer type of guy. It's just not what he does. That's a fair – or, I mean, I guess that's a fair assumption with him. Uh, I think that was kind of the same thing in Arizona. That's why he didn't really get any big-name tight ends. Um, yeah, but to be to be honest, I think that's kind of why this OJ Howard rumor is out there that he's a trade piece. But I think part of the reason Tom Brady went to the Bucks is simply because he likes the receiving talent there, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and I honestly think it includes OJ Howard as well. I think Brady will be clamoring to get him more targets. So I, yeah. I don't really necessarily understand this rumor from Michael Lombardi talking about, oh, they might trade O.J. Howard on draft night. One, I mean, as 
you know Brady loves throwing to tight ends, uh, you yeah, know, because he likes the he likes the shorter routes and you know, uh, yeah. I mean, I I think I think you'd be a beast with Brady. Uh, although, you know, what's interesting is the most rumored landing spot for him is the Patriots, which is kind of ironic. Uh, it is, but, but it makes a lot of sense because what's the one team in the NFL that needs a tight end more than anyone else right now? Yeah, it's the Patriots. Yeah, most teams have one or two tight end sets right now at this point. Right, I, most teams do. If you look across the league, yeah, that's. I mean, that's the thing. You know, he because as you said, Bruce Arians, you know, he doesn't always develop tight ends well. That much is obvious. But then, you know, you bring in Brady, who has a much different kind of culture in terms of how he plays the game, you know. It, it, that, I think, would benefit him for sure. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I hope he stays. It also I think it makes that, the most sense. I don't, think yeah. it's, I don't think it's worth it to just be like, oh, we're just going to use a backup tight end that isn't very good over yeah. a, a top 10 pick, which I don't even know really what's the point when you have a good tight end that you can at least re revitalize almost. Because last year was just a terrible year. That wasn't even his fault. I think it makes – Well, no, his quarterback was legally blind. <laughs> well, not just that. I think it was so much more to do with Bruce Aaron's system with OJ. No, I know. I'm just joking. I know, but – I mean, I think I think it just makes the most sense to be like, all right, we got to stick with OJ Howard because we know what talent we have, and giving up whatever for a first round pick, I don't think is enough value anyway. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's kind of dumb. We'll see though. Uh, yeah, who knows? Uh, all right, so we're getting also to the Bengals. We'll have a few Bengals topics on this show. Joe Mixon is preparing to hold out if he doesn't get a long-term deal. Now, here's my thing with Joe Mixon, right? Mm-hmm. I, I understand he's had a few thousand-yard seasons. I think he had one last year. But he's not that good of a player to me. He's not what he was his rookie year or his second year. I just don't think he's that great of a player. He's digressed for sure. Yeah, it's just I just don't think he's worth or he's a running back that should consider a holdout. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. And, yeah, you can make an argument that the Bengals system isn't really fitting him. You know, I, I would totally agree. But still, it doesn't really make a lot of sense at all because I don't think a 1,000-yard season is a perfect parameter of what makes a running back a good running back. I mean, you see it when you watch – guys like Adrian Peterson back in the day, Marshawn Lynch, you just see it. It's not just about the statistics. And I think right. with Mixon, it was more about the statistics than anything else. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I mean, to me, he's like a – I'd say he's probably like a B-plus player, which, you know, it's not bad, but it's not like – I don't know. I'm just so – I'm so sick of NFL players <laughs> saying that they're going to hold out and – Whatever. It's like, I mean, they most likely do. I, I think it's more common in the running back position now than anything. Obviously, yeah. with, with all of those, let's be honest, all of the running backs over the last few years, Le'Veon Bell, um, uh, Melvin, Melvin, uh, Melvin Gordon, yeah. excuse me, uh, Melvin Gordon, it's pretty much backfired. So yeah. I don't know why it makes any sense to do that. 
Oh, I mean, other that's... than Zeke, which Zeke was going to get paid anyway, it's it's not the best thing to do in the world. Well, because, I mean, running backs feel like they're underpaid compared to, you know, other players. And, yeah, on offense, they're probably the the – you know, the lowest paid player. But, I mean, there's there's a reason for that. You know, the yeah. game the game is moving away from, from running. Not that it still isn't effective for some people, but it's much more some of a passing league. Yeah, but it's much more of a, it's much more of a passing league now. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's just, and the running back is just kind of a guy who, and for a lot of teams is just, you know, get some extra yards when they need them. So, um, you know, I mean, I, 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 I get it. I get the frustration, but I mean, if you look at history, running backs haven't been successful, especially in a case like, uh, you know, like Cincinnati when they're trying to figure something out or rebuild, you know, it's like, they're not going to give this giant contract to a B plus running back. You know what I mean? Yeah. I it's just don't just not, think it makes any sense. No, it does not at all. And they Especially, have a good depth at that position, too, with Gio Bernard. Yeah. It's not just Joe Mixon there. I mean, especially, you know, once they get Burrow, if he turns out to be good, then they're going to want to sign him to a lot of money. Then, you know, it's like, yeah. well. But that's, I mean, that's looking a couple of years down the road. But yeah. still, that's what you got to be doing, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I just don't. I just don't agree with it at all. Um, but we'll see what happens with it. I do expect him to hold out, though. Yeah, no, he probably will. But so with the Raiders, yeah, uh, with the Raiders yeah. and their quarterback position, right? Uh, Mayock yes. said we feel good about it. I mean, I think now you feel good about it because you have Mariota there as well to hopefully push Derek Carr a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It just feels like the quintessential move that the Raiders will make. And I'll be honest. <laughs> Looking back at what the Raiders did, uh, I think the NFL put up uh, some really great stuff on the YouTube channel about like GM draft histories and stuff of that nature. I'll be, I'm, I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but Mike Mayock and John Gruden, at least from a drafting perspective, you might say that they overvalued a few players, but they've actually done a pretty good job. Yeah. No, that's, that's fair. Um, like who in particular are you thinking? Well, I mean, obviously Josh Jacobs, Max Crosby uh, yeah. was what a fourth, fifth round pick. I know Cleveland Farrell wasn't amazing last year. He still needs a little bit more development. Jonathan Abram, we didn't even get to see. He got injured like one week into the season, so we didn't even get to see him. We'll get to right. see him this year, and then we'll see what else they do in the draft this year. I mean, I I, I think the biggest question is who starts Week One there. I think there mm-hmm. is a potential that Mariota does start at some point this year. Or do you but, think it's a, it's like a, uh, who was it? Uh, like, it, do they do an Alabama type of thing where they have both of both? them? You know, you, you know when they had when yeah, because remember a few years ago when Alabama had uh, Tua and Jalen Hurts and they both yeah. kind of played in certain split. Do they do right. something like that? College is different. And I, no, I, I know. I've always been, I've always been one of those people that's like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. Like it just, especially for them. I mean, let's be honest. Mariota is getting paid like a starter anyway. 
Like they paid him a good amount of money to be a backup, at, at least yeah. at this at this juncture. But no, I don't see that working for any NFL team. It just doesn't make a lot of sense in the in in the way that quarterbacks are in this league. I've never been a proponent of a team doing that. I'm fine if they do it in the preseason. And look, my yeah. mind might change if they do that in the preseason. It works well. Actually, we probably won't get a preseason. So let's say they do it the first month <laughs> of the season and it works well. Right. Maybe, but I I don't think that's likely. I think what's more likely is by like week six or week seven, they they say to themselves, yeah, let's just see what Mariota's got because we're not sure about Carr. Mm-hmm. Assuming that they probably don't start as well as they would hope, but I'm not sure. Right. Well, it's um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting because they're they're so different. You know, I mean, they they are truly opposites, Carr and yeah. Mariota. Um. So I'm, I'm, pretty curious as to. What happens there? I really feel like Gruden wants a more mobile guy than Carr. And that's yeah. why Mariota is there. But even then, I I don't know. Excuse me. I don't know how much that makes. I just don't think it makes any sense why they would have both. Unless they feel like at some point they'll turn to Mariota down the road. Kind of like the Tannehill model, which ironically Mariota was included in. <laughs> yeah. But... That's kind of what this this league is going to be turning into for the next couple of years is this sort of Tannehill model because we saw that it worked, so they're going to try it. But I I, I think it's kind of a wait-and-see approach with the scoreback position. Uh, But yeah, I I don't know. I think they should stop kind of honing into the whole we don't like Derek Carr rumors because it's been the case for two seasons. And I feel (laughs) like they're still comfortable with them. I just don't. Yeah. I just don't think they're just like, oh, we're we're. They haven't explicitly said, yeah, we're not comfortable with them. So why right. are we putting it on that he's that they aren't comfortable with them? I don't yeah, know. Just dragging it's it. It's such out. a weird situation. It's just such a weird situation because I just don't know what they're thinking right now. Right. And I guess you. Could I mean, the same nobody thing does. The Titans last year. Yeah, nobody does. But. You could say the same thing for the Titans last year. Why exactly did they trade for Tannehill and restructure his contract? We didn't know exactly how comfortable they felt about Mariota, but they did it anyway. Yeah, I mean that that that's the weird thing about Tannehill's even you know, considering his contract and stuff, I was not expecting him to actually start until you know, midway through the season when he did. Which happened. I mean, it, it did happen, but I, yeah. I felt like they were committed of being like, yeah, we'll figure out Mariota. We'll give him a little push. But I don't think they really expected, oh, yeah, we're going to put Tannehill in. And then right. he's going to – and then, of course, the other thing they didn't expect is him winning comeback player of the year and getting to the AFC title game. <laughs> yeah, which was crazy. Yeah. But – Anyways. All right. So let's move forward to another quarterback. The Jags are not going to draft a quarterback in this class. They want to give Gardner Minshew a shot. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, they kept their staff this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, again, I maybe we need another year of Minshew. I don't think we do. I think we kind of know what he is. But 
maybe they feel like they can develop him. I, just I do want I, I do want to see him play a full season before I make my whole you know official judgment on him. You know what I mean? What was your impression he, of his skill set this year, though? I thought he was decent, all things considered. Because I mean, he he was. Uh, I mean, if you look at his numbers. Considering how many games did he play? Like eleven? Yeah, I think eleven. Eleven or twelve. Yeah. So I mean if you look at his numbers for that, it, like his just his stats alone were pretty good for a full season. But the fact that it was only three quarters of a season, that's like even more impressive. And there there was an argument cons- that he would win rookie of the year because of the statistics. But again, statistical bases don't tell everything. Right. Um, but just watching him, I, 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 don't, I don't know how I feel about him. Just watching him. I mean, he's I, – I, I like his – I think he's got talent, but I don't know if his decision-making is always there. Um, he makes, to me, some questionable throws, and his accuracy is hit or miss. Literally, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I don't. I also don't know if Jacksonville is the best fit for him. No, but if so, you're Jacksonville, you agree with this decision to say we want to give him a full season and figure it out. For see if we can for now, him? for now, I'd say so. Yeah. Um, and then in a year, if you don't like it, you're done. Right. But, I mean, I think there's more than just him that they have to figure out. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a lot more so, problems there, and they're definitely in a rebuild spot considering how everyone left. And culturally, yeah. it's a huge problem for players anyway. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the, the reign of Saxonville. <laughs> um, that was a good stretch, man, but Blake Bortles kind of wrecked that. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about our local team here, the Seattle Seahawks. DK Metcalf, they're hoping to expand his route tree a little bit. What impressed mm-hmm. you with Metcalf last year? <laughs> Jeez, man. Uh, everything. <laughs> no, I mean, I was, I was quite surprised by him. I mean, I was expecting him to be decent, but I was like, wow. I, I, I was honestly kind of blown away by him. Um, you know, I, I mean – yeah, the route his his route running is definitely the thing that he needs to improve without a doubt. But I mean, you look at some of these catches that he makes and you know, his size is a great advantage for him. And the fact that he is able to not only have that size but also have such good mobility, that's huge. You yeah. know what I mean? And so you know, you. I mean, there there was that one play where they were, it was that game they were in San Francisco on Monday night, and um, he fumbled the ball after not one, but not two, but three guys all grabbed the ball out of his hand, and it took that much just to get one guy to fumble the ball. And it was like, 
okay, well, that was kind of cool. <laughs> I was I was angry about the fumble, but I saw that play and I was like, dude, honestly, respect. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. you mentioned about DK Metcalf's skill set is a stark contrast to what his pre-draft uh, analysis was. Uh, a guy just couldn't really catch the ball. They felt like he had an okay route tree. I was of the proponent that I thought it was stupid that he fell as far as he did. I mean, he fell basically at the end of the third round or end of the second round, excuse me. And I was like, this is ridiculous. I really had him pegged as a top receiver. But again, he went to the right system in Seattle where Russell just places the ball perfectly, especially to a guy like him if you're totally concerned about the catching ability. But again, I think he would have fit on any team that was ahead of the Seahawks during that time in the second round. But he fell in the right spot, and they really got to showcase his talents. And I think it's a great idea to kind of expand his role. I think you're really going to see him solidify himself as the number two next to Tyler Lockett next year. Yeah, or even number one in the next few years. You never know. Oh, for I mean, sure, they, for sure. Because, I mean, Lockett is not – he's great. Don't get me wrong. But he, he's not – to me, he's not really like, you know, a number one guy, you know. Yeah. But uh, I mean, he never really has been. But he really has been for him, though. Yeah, he um, no, he absolutely has. So I, you I know, think they're going to stick with that, though. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I like the two of them for sure. Yeah. They do. They do definitely need to get a third guy. Uh, oh, but, and they will in this draft. I mean, the draft is way too good to not get a receiver. Yep. But exactly. They're going to go for it anyway. And Seattle, whoever they draft, I think is going to be a good spot for whoever it is. And it'll probably be like in the second round. You could look maybe at a Denzel Mims, even though he's kind of bumped up in the first round, but we'll get to some right. of those receivers a little bit later. Um, yeah. So Anthony Lynn seems pretty comfortable with Tyrod Taylor, not ruling out necessarily that they will draft, that it will not draft a quarterback in next week's draft. I am, I'm of the belief that it's less likely that they'll draft a quarterback just because of these reports of how comfortable they are with Taylor. I'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly what they see in him, but what's your opinion on the whole situation there at quarterback with the Chargers? I mean, I think, you know, I, I mean, I think Taylor, he's definitely a good bridge guy, I think, for them. Um, you know, I think he's a good – I think he's a – probably a good guy to have kind of in their system for now. But, I mean, you look at all these quarterbacks, it's like, why, why wouldn't you take one to, yeah. you know, build for the future? Um, I mean, unless they really see something in him that we don't, and then, you know, maybe we'll see that as the season starts. Uh, maybe yeah. that's the case. And if so, great, you know, cool. If that's um, the case. I feel like that is the case, but I, I don't know. Um, I want, I think they might if – th- if this is their opinion, they're better served again going D-line, someone like a Derek Brown or something of that nature. I think that makes more sense if they are committed to a quarterback right. than just saying, oh, let's take one. Because you could easily get someone in the second round if you really feel like you need one and yeah. you're comfortable with Tyrod. Yeah, I mean – I'm just, you know, because he he had that good season in Buffalo. You know, he yeah he's shown to me that he can be clutch. Yeah, but I don't know. He's kind of inconsistent. So I just, yeah. I don't know. 
I so going back to him in Baltimore, I was he was one of my favorite players to watch every preseason in Baltimore because I thought he was so dynamic. Uh, He was a lot smaller back then in like size and stature, and I really enjoyed like his mobility. It's kind of a funny precursor to uh, Lamar Jackson to a degree because I thought it added an extra element to the Ravens' offense. Obviously, you know the two of them are not comparable, but. You saw glimpses of what they like in a quarterback in the sense of Lamar Jackson, right? Yeah. If I put that correctly. But I was interested in that. I was like, you know, Tyron could be a starter in this league. I, I, I really think so. And then when Buffalo went there, I had periods where I was like, yeah, I think he can be a franchise guy. Just, I don't know. The whole mess with Buffalo was wild because they were like, ah, oh, we don't know. Let's put in Nathan Peterman. And, of course, he threw five picks and a half. And it, it, I think it was a whole mess there. Maybe this is the fresh start that Tyrod Taylor needs in L.A., but I think he's gone to a point of his career where he's clearly a bridge guy or a backup quarterback like he was last year with the Chargers. Yeah. (laughs) You said the Buffalo situation was wild, like Buffalo Wild Wings. Oh, my God. I'm so sorry. All right, so anyways (laughs) – (laughs) <laughs> uh, by the way speaking of the buffalo mm-hmm. buffalo is like one of my favorite cities in america that's what you said it's a, it's a really great city i've never been there but i mean i've seen pictures of it it looks beautiful it's it's awesome i, I i've also like bill's fans there are like diehard they're also awesome uh they're oh, yeah. a little crazy they're they're wild um, for sure, but um, <laughs> I really like. Uh, I was there one one summer for like lunch or whatever. I just really like the city, um, but yeah. especially in the summer where it's actually good weather and not snow. But obviously in Buffalo, you live there, you get used to it. Yeah. Um, so Joe Burrow has been meeting weekly with the Bengals since mid March, I guess. The reason why I bring this one up, because obviously we've had countless discussions about Burrow uh, for obvious reasons over the last few months. Right. These virtual draft interviews, if you're a prospect or if you're a GM, how do you approach these kind of interviews on Zoom, on Skype with these coaches? And how much does it really tell you about a prospect? I mean, to me, it really doesn't change much you know you still ask them the same things and you would say the same thing although there is something to be said about you know it's like you actually coming to them flying out meeting with them in person it's like shows you know an extra level of I guess dedication so you kind of miss that but I mean you know, in the end, it's you can still accomplish a lot of the same stuff. So I yeah. don't think it's too big of an issue personally, but what do you think? I think it is interesting who because it gives them an opportunity. Because, I mean, every prospect normally you know, flies out to the city and all that stuff, and obviously they keep in touch by phone or whatever. There's an interesting dynamic with, especially with a guy like Burrow, where the Bengals have constantly met with him week by week because they're allowed to. 
and to see them kind of meet with him constantly over potentially other prospects that they could be talking to, it definitely shows interest, but it also shows how interested they are at as him as a person, as someone with work ethic or whatever, or what have you, that I think make them more interested because you have these constant online interviews. Right. Yeah, just keeping the keeping the uh, the connection all the time, if you will. Yeah, for sure. The yeah. Cardinals are potentially looking for a receiver in the first round. Steve Kime, their GM, said that in a press conference on Zoom on Wednesday. I don't think any GMs rolling out a receiver even in the first round just because of the talent here. But I think this is partially news because they got Hopkins and maybe they're looking for another partner there. I also don't really like it necessarily because if you look at the Cliff Kingsbury sort of arc the last couple years – of how they've drafted, they've really drafted almost too many receivers. Now, obviously, you maybe canceled that out considering how good the class is, but still, they've drafted receivers pretty constantly. Right. So I don't, I don't really know why they wouldn't just try to develop some of their younger pieces that they already have there. But again, the class is pretty big and pretty and will be pretty successful in the pros. But, yeah, I just, I just don't know how I feel about that when you have so many receivers that you could be developing, such as a guy like Andy Isabella who they got last year. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I get the need since, I mean, you know, who knows how long Fitzgerald's going to be around. But, I mean, yeah, like you're saying, you got all these guys there already. I mean, why, why, why waste them? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, especially when you got, I mean, unless they want to get somebody who's actually legit, like a, like a CD Lamb or Jerry Judy or whatever, and have him learn under Larry Fitzgerald, I could see that. Or as we said, Mims or something, you know, because I mean, the, right. or Justin Jefferson, maybe whatever. Uh, right. You can kind of go down the list. Yeah, you could see it, but they've been drafting so many receivers. It's just. It's like, can we yeah, focus like, on developing those guys? Yeah. Right. Even if the class is as good as it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, the Jets are looking at Henry Ruggs pretty closely. There's a chance there, there's going to be a run receiver starting with the 11th pick uh, with the Jets. Even though they do need a line, they still do need receiver after losing Robbie Anderson to the Panthers. Right. I... I don't. I think line needs to be the focus there, though, because that offensive line is was just so abysmal last year. Sam Darnold just didn't have any time to throw, and it wrecked his numbers. But you know, we all know Darnold is a better quarterback than he's shown the last few years, and a lot of that is the offensive line, not necessarily the receiving talent around him. That's why I'm not yeah. so sure this is the right decision if they end up going receiver. Yeah, I mean. I mean, it wouldn't hurt. Uh, you know, I, I, I mean, I see, I see the appeal, obviously. Um, but yeah, I mean, O line is definitely where I would be going in the first round. You know, it's they have a bit of a hole to fill there, but you know, I mean, I feel, I feel like Darnold needs time more than hands to throw to 
You know what I mean? For sure. Um, So, yeah, I mean, considering the Jets organization and how many interesting calls they've made (laughs) recently, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they went with rugs instead. But, uh, you know, we'll just have to see, I guess. The Jets have always been in a weird position because even going back to Leonard Williams or the, Leonard just fell in the draft. I mean, he, he's maybe not as great of a prospect as they would have hoped, but still, they're in a position where if guys fall, uh, they're a team that love to take guys who kind of just fall um, in right. the draft for good reason because I, I think more often than not you should, but culturally they're not necessarily in an entire position to develop him. I think the weirdest part of the story would be if Ruggs goes over Lamb or Judy. That would be right. bizarre. Um, even though, even though um, Ruggs has, let's say, top 15 appeal, him going 11 over Ruggs and Judy just wouldn't make any sense at all. No, not to me. I mean, I still think he's good. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, over those guys, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just think it, it doesn't make much sense at all. The yeah. Falcons are also a team to watch, uh, moving up from 16, according to Ian Rappaport of NFL Network. They're probably going to be looking a lot at the defense. I don't know how far they're going to be able to move up, and obviously we talked about the Falcons, and we're not really sure what they're going to do. But if they trade up and get a really good piece at a really good slot, I wouldn't be surprised at all. And I think it would put them in a good position going into next year. Yeah. I mean, I think they're uh, – well, like we said earlier, their biggest thing is just figuring out the coaching staff. But, yeah, I mean, I think the – I mean, I don't know. I, if I'm then, I, I'm probably going to focus on defense first. Yeah, but I still uh, would. I mean, that defense is pretty good, but you had all those injuries, uh, you know, two years ago. So, yeah, I think you probably yeah. would. I don't know. I don't know what to do with Atlanta. I other just than, don't either. Other than move on from Dan Quinn. Other than that, I think if you're in that position where you're not sure exactly what's happening there, trading up still makes a lot of sense. Oh, like a lot sure. of teams, yeah. like like for example, the Chiefs. Obviously, this is not a perfect example of Patrick Mahomes, but we didn't really know what was going on with Alex Smith there. We didn't think that it would put them over the top. So making that decision made a lot of sense. And to, to a different degree, obviously, defensively with that, um, it, it just makes sense if you're really not sure where the organization is going, especially defensively, you might as well just trade up, especially if you have the assets. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't hurt to get good picks. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah. Um, so. Let's see. So we already kind of went through some of the uh, receiver class. We'll get to one more receiver a bit later. So with the Miami Dolphins, they're probably the most interesting team here because they have, you know, they have three first round picks in, in this first round next week. Not only that, but Do they, they really have three. They have three. Yeah. Wow. I think they're at five, 18 and 26, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. They have, I think, they have the most picks out of everyone. I think they have like 12 to 14 in total, maybe. Jeez. That's them good. And the Patriots, them and the Patriots have a bunch. Yeah. Um, Anyways. But they've done a lot of work on Justin Herbert 
over Tua, I think more than likely we've gotten to a point that Tua is just going to free fall and that Herbert's probably going to go at number five. It kind of feels that way. Because before, I mean, I was thinking that, you know, L.A. would take one and uh, and Miami would take the other. But now at this point, L.A. is saying, oh, no, we're not drafting the quarterback or whatever. So it's like, okay, we maybe that's be, not going to We may happen. not be. Yeah. So, honestly, I don't know that they will be. I would doubt it at this point. So then that leaves Miami. And Miami says, "Oh yeah, we would love Justin Herbert as well, just as much as uh, just as much as Tua." And so now, if you look at them, they have, you know, you got Tua with all these injuries, or you know, the the big, strong, healthy Justin Herbert. Honestly, at this point, I think they're taking Herbert. And they've done a lot more work on him. I think they're. I think every team is just so uberly concerned about the injuries. I mean, the, the GM was quoted today saying he's fragile, which I don't like. I, I'm not going to put a tag on him because I think he's that much of a special talent. But as a GM, there's just a lot more weird factors involved than, oh, we're just going to take Tua. What if you take Tua and he, he is fragile and he gets injured a lot, which I hope is not the case? Then, yeah, because he's, then, I mean, he's just such take, a unique talent. Right, right. But I feel like GMs are thinking, oh, my God, we're taking a massive risk here, which I don't think is correct. Oh, it absolutely – But you still think it's a massive risk? I mean, just because of of the injuries. I mean, it's not like – the thing is, it's it's not like he's just had, you know, one or two minor injuries. He's had, what, four or five, including a hip injury. I mean, that's pretty severe, and that's just in college. When you get to the NFL and there's guys that are 300 pounds chasing you around, I mean, that's like, you know, in the NFL they're faster, stronger, bigger. I mean, I don't know. That's yeah. I would. I I don't. Like I would be. Though. I would. I don't be, like the idea. Yeah. I don't like the idea of like, oh my god, he's so. I I, I watched this pro day and I was like, dog, come on, like, are are we serious no, I here? He, I don't, no, I don't. I don't think he's fragile necessarily. I just, I just worry about him. You know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure you watched some of the pro day highlights. I mean, it wasn't like he didn't move well. It wasn't like he didn't throw abnormally. Yeah, not every throw was great, but I mean, it's a pro day. Not every throw is going to be amazing, right? But right, he had a good touch on the ball. I wasn't. And I think he. I think also another weird part that no one's talked about with Tua. It's kind of the same thing when Michael Vick was coming out. He's a left-handed quarterback, correct? Right. He's a left-hander, and you got to change your offense completely around that as well. And I think teams aren't talking about that either. I think I mean, that also freaks people to change out it. a little bit. You don't have to change it too much. I mean, you kind of have to shift everything around. Not really. Which most coordinators don't really like. but. Yeah. Well... Anyways. That might be another reason, but I think that's a much minor reason when you look at his talent. It's the it's the injury concern. That's what everybody talks about, you know? Yeah. If so. you look at Herbert to the Dolphins, what do you like about it? Um, I, I don't know. 
I like him way better going to L.A. personally. Why would that be the case for you? Well, just because the way that, for starters, L.A. has – he's got a lot more talent around him in L.A. Yeah. And which I think is going to be beneficial to a guy like him. And, I mean, I just – I don't know. I Miami's whole thing is that, you know, they're in the middle of this giant rebuild. And I, I think they – if they want to have a rookie come in there – that's going to make a difference. It has to be some guy who's such a unique talent like Tua. Not that he would make a huge difference, but I think he's the one most likely of anybody. At least in a year from now, maybe. If or at least, in, at least in this, in this draft class, I should say. Yeah. I'll also yeah. say this. The Dolphins, and I think the Patriots to a bit of a lesser degree, because I think they'll still be – pretty good. I think their Vegas has pegged them at like eight wins, which is the lowest. I think it's eight and a half, which is the lowest since 2003 in terms of what they've been projected. Obviously the schedule hasn't come out yet. We know it seems, we know it seems like other teams are going to be playing. We know the matchup, so we don't know what the actual schedule is and know that in about three weeks. But yeah. I'll also say this. I think that Dolphins are where the Browns were in 2013, 2014, when they picked up Miles Garrett and they said, yeah, well, we'll trade for some picks. We'll, we'll, you know, figure this out over time. And then like two, three years later, they're, they're pretty solid. They still have their structural issues, but the dolphins are in a much less likely position with their coaching staff, especially to be in the position the Browns are in right now. Right. So I think you I, could you, see them do really well in a couple of years. Yeah, no, I, I don't see them going backwards like the Browns for sure. So I think, I mean, I think the Browns' problem is that they were more interested in, you know, getting the talent that was, you know, the loudest and most flashy as opposed yeah. to the more mature, refined type of guys. Absolutely. You know what I mean? I would agree. And, and I, I think, don't think the Miami, Dolphins I don't think are Miami in has that. Yeah, they don't have that problem. They're not so. going to have that problem, especially with the coaching staff. No, I don't right. think so. And they played so hard at the end of the year last year, they're going to want to really get some talent there to showcase. Yeah. um, To showcase, like, what that – that fight that they had at the end of the year is going to be showcased even more as they get more talent in there. Right. Yeah, no, Um, I – Go ahead, Shane. Sorry. I was just going to say, I think they'll be – like, it's kind of like the Cardinals, you know, like in a couple years they'll be pretty solid. Yeah. I think this year the Cardinals are going to be good too. I think this year the Cardinals can make the playoffs considering the new playoff structure. That's true. Yeah. There's seven teams now. I still don't like that. That's the one team in the (laughs) – I get it. There's there's one team in the NFC that I feel pretty confident is going to make the playoffs as that last team, and I think that's the Cardinals. I really can't think of another team. At least not right now. In the AFC, I think it's Denver. That's a good pick, too, yeah. Especially if Drew Locke develops a little bit more and they get a top-flight receiver in this draft, which they will. That's looking pretty far down the road. But anyways. Yeah. 
Um, so LaVisca Chenault is for me a really fun player. He had a core muscle surgery that was successful a few days ago. Most GMs are pegging him as a bust. I don't agree with that. I don't like some of some of these executive polls are interesting, but not everything yeah. is. Like the bust poll was weird because it's like, okay, Chase Claypool, they're not sure what to do with him. And then LaVisca, I don't really understand that whole thing with LaVisca because I think Packers and Eagles make a lot of sense with him. I just don't think he's a bust kind of player. I don't think you can put a label on that, even from an executive perspective, right away before the draft. Obviously, they use polls every year, but this was one of the weirder ones. Right. Uh, hmm. That's interesting. I mean, uh, core surgeries, that's that's pretty serious. Um, and we, all, we know it is serious with, uh, obviously, with Clowney, but it affects any position. But I, I don't think there's too much of a worry there, especially when a prospect gets surgery. I mean, a lot of prospects get surgery before the draft, and it doesn't really affect their stock too much. Not true. So I don't know how I don't know really how to make of this because I I personally like I personally like his skill set, especially if he goes to a team with an established wide receiver need and with an established quarterback. Yeah. 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 I think that's what he would need to be successful. But yeah. Um I mean it'll it'll be interesting to see how he falls into the draft though. Yeah. Uh, he could he could go anywhere. I think from twenty five to thirty two. Really, you think first round? He's the first round guy. Yeah, he'll go in the first round. He'll go late in the first. Mm, yeah, I'm pretty sure. It would surprise me if he goes in the second. Um, I it really would. We shall see. <laughs> yes, we will, we will see. Uh, Justin Jefferson is a guy Mike Garofolo of NFL Network says he'll go off the board between 15 and 25. What do you like about Justin Jefferson and his skill set? Because a lot of people have pegged him very similar to C.D. Lamb and Jerry Judy in terms of raw skill set. Obviously, he's not as great as them, at least at this point. But a lot of people have really been excited with the skill set from GMs, executives in the NFL to the media. What do you like about him? Well. You know, something that I like about him is just he, you know, he's not, he's not the biggest guy. He's not necessarily the fastest guy, but he just, he has this determination. He he gets it done and he does really well. And I mean, you know, you, I think he is a huge reason for Joe Burrow being as, successful as he was um obviously because just of what he was able to do but you know i mean i I don't know i I mean i can't put anything exact on him um yeah but it's you know he he you look at his stats for instance, and it doesn't match what you would think from a guy like him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, he, I mean, he's out there getting, you know, 1,500 yards, 20 touchdowns, which is crazy. 
yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think people are kind of sleeping on him a little. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, you know, we're talking about DK Metcalf earlier in his route tree. I think he'll right. come into the league and have a really good route tree already pretty much established with the quarterback. I right. think he is pretty comparable to Lamb and Judy, um, but he just doesn't have the skill set of that right now. But with the right organization, you could really see him pop into a, a star in this class, no doubt. Right. Yeah, no, I – I mean, it, yeah, like you said, I, I don't think he's quite on the level of like C.D. Lamb and Jerry Ludy – Jerry Ludy. Jerry Judy. Jerry Judy. I just that name cracks me up. I don't know why. I just I love it. Carrie Judy. Anyways, um, we're gonna get to hear it for the next decade, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, uh, yeah, especially being in the in the SEC with considering how good those defenses are. I just I think it's, I think the thing that holds him back against those guys is just the fact that. You know, you don't look at him and go like, "Oh, yeah, this guy he's has all this raw talent." And what, which I mean, he of course does, but he's not. You know, he's not being as, uh, I guess, as as flashy and uh, yeah. What's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know what I mean? Um, yeah, like he might not be as dynamic potential. Potentially, but with the right organization, he can get there, and he can get there fast. Exactly. All right, yeah, let's talk about spring football, and more particularly the XFL. The XFL filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which allows them to hopefully find another buyer for the league. Vince McMahon, he's tried this, you know, twice now, and it hasn't really worked, although ratings would suggest that it was pretty competitive with the NBA and stuff of that nature. Does spring football work, or is this idea of spring football just foolish at this point? I think it does work. Um, I, you know, I, I think, I mean, part of the problem is obviously the fact that they had to cancel half the season. Yeah. So, you know, that doesn't help things, which is probably the main reason why this is this bankruptcy thing is happening. But, you know, because people, people that I talked to also that they loved it and that they were super into it, especially around here, considering, you know, the Seattle's, we're all such football gurus. Um, I think the thing that needs to improve is the quarterback play. That's How do you the, do that, though? How do you do that? That's my question. Do you do that by saying, oh, let's bring in Trevor Lawrence or something or bring in these college quarterbacks? Right. Yeah, that – Because that's, that's the only the, way they would do it. That's the only that's, way they would do it, and I don't think that's possible necessarily. No, I don't think it is either. That's the only issue. Like, I, <laughs> that's their – because that's the biggest problem in the XFL to me, and there's not really a clear solution to it. Yeah. So and personally, I like that. I, I, I don't like spring football, man. I, I get to a point where I'm just like, you have to realize I watch football 23 straight weeks out of the year. I don't <laughs> need more than that. 
I get yeah. burnt out by but once Super Bowl Sunday is done, I'm like, all right, let's go to basketball now full time. Like obviously I'll watch basketball in October, but it's like let's go to basketball now full time. You know, let's get ready for the playoffs in April on a normal year, of course. But you know, like I, I get to a point where I want to focus on other sports and other things, and I don't just want to you know watch football the entire year. And I, I think well, I you it's, know it is a bit. Yeah, go ahead. No, seriously, go ahead. I'm good. But like I as I said, I oh. just don't feel like <laughs> spring football is just the right thing necessarily. You just don't think it's necessary. No, I don't. Yeah. No, that's fair. Um the thing is though, it appeals to I hate using this term, but like you know, casual football fans. You know what I mean? Who just will watch maybe football watch for football? No, who just you know, they'll like watch a game every week or two, just like just kind of casually and they like, watch, oh, like you know, every game or whatever. Right. Like that. They're not they're they're not as you know as serious as someone like you or even me. Um yeah. so you know they 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 just think like, Oh yeah, more football, cool, whatever. You know, it's not yeah. like Yeah, so that that's the appeal. And um, and there's so many people who are like, Oh, I'm just gonna watch my local team and I think that's maybe where it appeals to the most. Right. But at the same time, it, 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 as a you know diehard sports fan and someone who is you and I in the media, I think it it doesn't it it doesn't make sense. Like, why are we you know nor on a normal year? Obviously, we'd be covering the draft and all that. We'd be doing a good chunk of our show on that, but we would be getting ready for the NBA playoffs and stuff of that nature. Like, why are we? You know, we have this sort of rhythm of, like, how we do things. Why is it that we want to just talk about football half the year? I'm not saying that we we do that anyway. We do because football is a 365 sport. But even so, like, there, there well, are there's other nothing else to talk about right now. <laughs> there is nothing else to talk about right now. But I'm talking about on a normal year, right, right now the NBA playoffs would be going on. And we'd be talking about hopefully a Lakers-Clippers conference finals or what have you. And Dude, I think that, that would be, be more interesting than – that would be more interesting than a random week three spring football league. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. That's no, where my sure. head's at. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you there. Dude, you uh, – that's sad thing that we, we would uh, be talking yeah. about a, a, a Lakers-Clippers game. That, sounds, that just sounds awesome. And now it's not happening. <laughs> That's yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, it's sad to even bring that up. Like, honestly, for me, the last few weeks, uh, just like think about the fact. Oh, we would have had March Madness, and I know we had yeah. plans to do like a bracket show, and then we didn't end up doing that. And then you know we were getting ready for the NBA playoffs, and I I think we would be talking about the awards, and we'll get to actually our awards pretty soon because mm-hmm. we're most likely not going to have a season. I hope we do. But I don't think we will. The optics of it just don't look very good. I think we've all kind of moved on to hoping the NFL starts in the fall. And that's really unfortunate because this, again, was, as we keep talking about, this was one of the best NBA seasons in a long time. I know. And we would be, I mean, legitimately this weekend would have been the first weekend, the first round of the NBA playoffs. And yeah, some stupid 1-8 matchup would have been boring as heck. But overall, it would have been pretty fun. Yeah, because it's still playoffs, you know. I mean, it's sad to acknowledge, but it's it's a fact. 
and it's just it's yeah. just tough. Uh, but there was still some NBA news uh, this weekend regarding some high school prospects. So going back to our first show, we talked about RJ Hampton and him going to Australia to play ball. And, you know, for some of these high school guys, they don't necessarily always want to go to college and, and all this stuff and go through the thing. And, and the NBA is also moving away from the college system because – I, I, they feel like they could do a better job developing guys in the G League. So there's this G League development program where they can actually still get a degree, but also get paid about $50,000 or excuse me, $500,000 playing basketball in the G League and also getting a degree on the side if they wish to. That to me just makes a lot more sense. If I'm a top prospect trying to decide what to do with my career, and I know I'm going to be a top draft pick in the NBA draft. I think this this concept makes a lot more sense than going to college for one year. Yeah. Well, and especially, I mean, all the – it's not like college is easy if you're a full-time student athlete, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because um, that's – I mean, that's like a full-time job. So – you know, having to go to class and study and do homework on top of that. It's just like, you know, why would you want to do that? <laughs> you know, especially if you're, like you said, you know, a number one prospect. It's like, yeah, forget it. I'm just going to, you know, go play in another league or something. and Yeah. get some. And that's where the G League is good, too, and the fact that, oh, I don't have to go to Australia or Europe to play. I can just play in my hometown. And yeah, G League isn't necessarily – amazingly well built or the uh, you know or what it, it's a, obviously a lot better than what the d league was back in the day right but they are trying to develop that into a place where prospect can can really you know do something without having to go overseas and being able to get a degree on top of it i think just sweetens the deal for guys like isaiah todd and jalen green who both decided to do this uh, the other day yeah yeah good that's yeah, it's good stuff. How do you feel about the term student-athlete, you know, with the whole NCAA thing? Do you like that they use that term? I mean, it makes sense. What do yeah. you think? I I mean, we can go into – I mean, uh, we don't have to, but, like, the whole paying players thing, I've always thought just give them, like, $100 would change a lot of things and the ability to get sponsorship deals. I love that – now legislation like in California last year said, yeah, we want student athletes to get local sponsorship deals. I just think it's unfair for someone if I'm like a math major, right. And I'm, which I'm not because I suck at math, but like if I was a math major and I was getting paid to like tutor people with math, it, it's it's kind of it, it, as you said it's kind of like a full-time job doing uh you know some kind of work and school but in in this case student athletes can't just go work on this random job they have to you know play a particular sport so they should get paid for doing that particular sport in a small stipend like you would if you were a math tutor at your local whatever you know right Obviously, it's much different, but you see my point. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to say, oh, students, normal students who just, you know, have school, they have work on the side and they still make money. Why is it that other student athletes shouldn't get that same opportunity 
and a more expansive opportunity in the sense that they can get sponsorship deals and a small stipend potentially. Do you think that they, yes, yeah, so do you think that they should be allowed to collect money and endorsements for jersey sales yeah. and whatnot? Well, yeah, I do too. I mean, jersey sales, yes, but I think more so the smaller. I think one of the biggest things that the California legislators focused on is not necessarily jersey sales. While that would be great, especially for us fans buying the jerseys and then for the players getting paid, it's more so like these random local car sponsorship deals or things of that nature that I think they focused on more so. But I'm happy right. with both. Yeah. So that's kind of how I feel on that. Yeah. Um, we will have UFC fights in a month, most likely, on May 9th. <laughs> we don't know where. Hopefully. Hopefully. Tony Ferguson and Justin Gaethje have said that they are planning to fight, and they agreed to a contract to fight on May 9th. Uh, this will probably be on UFC's island, which, by the way, what is your reaction to the UFC trying to get an island? I know we've talked about this for a, lot, for a bit now. But them trying to get an island to do fights, what is your kind of thought process on that? Honestly, I think it's kind of awesome. <laughs> it's like, oh, where, where are you going to have your fight? Oh, yeah, we have our own island. You can hit us up there. Like, that's, just, like, that's just cool, dude. I mean, it's the only way for it to make sense, but it's just kind of how progressive the UFC is, also how weird it is as an organization to do that. <laughs> yeah, but true. as long as fighters are safe, and I also wonder what does that mean in terms of do they get tested, and that creates a whole thing because, you know, that's kind of why we're not having sports anyway is like the whole testing thing and like, okay, if we test athletes, like why can't we test regular people? And I understand that piece. So there's a bit of a hurdle in, in that area, but keeping athletes safe on an island might be the best way to go. And you might see more leagues maybe try to do something of that nature if it's feasible. Cause I don't know in terms of the healthcare system, if that makes any sense logistically. And that's kind of my one issue with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. One, would it be a permanent thing? No. Well, it wouldn't be a well. I mean, it would be a permanent thing if to say like, I mean, it wouldn't be permanent. But I mean, I, honestly, I guess it would be because you would take health officials and you would have fights every week because UFC's fights every week, regardless if it's a pay per view or not. So, what does that mean if it's every week? If it's not every week, and then just like, oh, we have one major card one week, and we're just gonna stop then that might be a bit of a different thing. But that doesn't seem like what they're doing here, even though they are trying to create a mega card for this. But um, right. That's just kind of strange. It's just I interesting. It. But logistically speaking, it's just it just seems weird. Yeah. Even for sports as a whole to come back right now in any capacity, even for a month, right? Even for, you know, as we wait another month and we'll see how things change in the month. But bring it back to a, a, some capacity, like especially with the healthcare system, like I, it just seems not feasible at this point, even for uh, even for the UFC where they're going to be on an island. It, it's just it's hard for me to imagine that even working. If it is on an island, of course, we have not gone that confirmed. But um, 
yeah, I, I'm I'm not jealous of the people trying to figure that out. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty tough. All right, so the WNBA draft is going on as we speak. They did a great tribute to uh, those um, to uh, those who died in uh, the car accident, including Gigi Bryant, by making them honorary draft picks in this class. Um, you mean the helicopter? Yeah, in the helicopter crash. Uh, so they that was a pretty incredible gesture there. Uh, but obviously, with no other sports going on, this is probably the biggest event we've had in the last month. Um, but it is interesting, though, with uh, Sabrina Ornescu, who is uh, one of the best prospects we've seen in the last five years in pretty much any sport, regardless men's or women's. A really dynamic athlete, a triple-double machine. I mean, if I were to compare her hype coming out, it has to be Zion. I mean, the hype of Zion was so huge. I mean, it's not exactly the same, of course. But that same kind of hype was around Ernescu all season, and even in her junior season. The hype around her was so huge. And then now her being officially selected to the New York Liberty, which is an organization that hasn't really been that great in WNBA, historically speaking, especially the last five years. For her to go to New York, especially, and, and the amount of talent that women's basketball has had coming out of these drafts the last few years, uh, Brianna Stewart's a good example. It's, it's, it's a huge thing to have a superstar or someone who can potentially become a superstar. I think you're going to see her on all-star teams and in, in the WNBA finals for the next few, like four or five years, maybe down the road. I, I really think she'll, she's that special of a player. But in New York, to have a superstar get drafted there really helps the growth of the league, I think, more than we would have expected. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially considering how much she's accomplished so far for how young she is. Like, dang. I mean, she started all four years in college. And, yeah, I mean, this last year – she had, uh, or not this last year, but in total throughout her whole college career, she had 26 triple doubles. It's pretty incredible, is, isn't it? That is insane. Um, I mean, that does not happen. Yeah. <laughs> which is, which is, I mean, that's just, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just, you look at her numbers. I mean, she, 33 points per game, you know, 7.3 rebounds. It's like, you know, combine that with the fact that she has played on the national team and had some success there all before even graduating college. I, yeah, I really like where she's going. And I mean, like you said, the way that it, could help kind of revitalize the women's game, you know? I mean, I think it's already been in a great spot, but just the fact that she's going to a place like New York, Madison Square Garden, and and that on top of that, and, and, and I mean, this is kind of upsetting, but it's a huge stage for the WNBA tonight, just to be like, we're the only sport on, and people are just going to tune in to see this draft, and 
and really yeah. get to, to, to see her personality as the number one pick and say, hey, here's our star and here's our new star for the whole world to see because we're the only sport on TV right now. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so I think it's, I think it's huge for the women's game moving forward. For basketball in general, really. I, I, I really, I really think so. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's get to some fun games here now. <laughs> and we'll talk about some fun things we have done during quarantine as well. So let me share my screen. Here we go. I only have about five minutes, by the way. All right. So let's but let's do, do let's build the lineup for fifteen dollars. <laughs> I have to write this down for our Instagram account as well. So I'm gonna write this down. We did this last week with call for uh, the NBA. This is from Instagram at NFL Top Ten. Uh, build your lineup for $15. Shane, you go first. We've got quarterback, running back, two wide receivers, and a tight end. Okay. Mine is going to be quarterback. You know who I'm going with. <laughs> Drew Brees. Yes, sir. <laughs> Drew Brees for $2. And then – Two bucks. Yes. And then for running back, I'm going – Tomlinson. LT, $1. Yep. Then for the first wide receiver column, it, I got to go Jerry Rice. I mean. Five, uh, yeah, Jerry <laughs> how, Rice. How could yeah. you not? Um, I mean, in my opinion, he's the true goat of the game, um, yeah. regardless of position. And then for the second wide receiver spot, I'm going Julio Jones. Julio, $3. And then Gronk. And then Gronk. Gronk is For four. $4. And that, that totals up to 15 I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also want to bring up Don Hudson is in the first wide receiver spot. If you guys haven't seen his highlight tape, I know he's pretty old, uh, but definitely go watch that because that's uh, – <laughs> he's – I know it's really old, but the guy was fire. The guy was awesome. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. This is so tough for me. Um, or, okay, if, if that wasn't my lineup, my alternative, and don't write this down, but it would be yeah. uh, Brady, Tomlinson, oh, who did I say? Randy Moss, Antonio Brown, and, or no, Terrell Owens. A.B. and Gronk, I think. Yeah. Uh, A.B.'s like not on my board here. I'm, I'm done with A.B. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. I don't need that. I'm good. Um, okay, yeah, give me, give me Jerry Rice for the $5. <laughs> give me Jerry Rice. That's easy. Um, yeah. For wide receiver number one. Uh, let's see. Um, give me Calvin Johnson. Megatron. Four dollars for wide receiver number two, Calvin okay. Johnson. Uh, so you got nine th- bucks. You yeah. got six left. Let's see. So three dollar players. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. So three dollars. I'm gonna take. So we got two receivers. Yeah. Give me uh, Walter Payton. Sweetness. Okay. Okay. From a running back spot. 
Give me Drew Brees for my quarterback spot. Give me Drew Brees. And then Jason Witten. Okay. I like it. We'll have our fans on Instagram at UAV Radio uh, vote for uh, who had the better overall team on this. (laughs) Also, before we go. I'm genuinely curious. Let me see. Actually, I got to stop my screen to do this. Um, Actually, first, uh, what have you been doing over quarantine so far? Uh, Have you been Uh, playing any video games or anything? Yeah, a little bit. I started Division 2 the other day. It's interesting. Um, Then I – let's see. Then what else? I've been uh, playing a lot of guitar. Uh, Just trying to get good at that. And yeah. um, doing a little Italian here and there. Yeah. So that when this is all over, I can go there and talk to people. <laughs> um, I've been playing Journey, which is a game on PS4. It's coming to PC on June 11th. I just finished it today. Really beautiful, yeah, really majestic game. Uh, they're doing this play-to-play or uh, play-at-home initiative um, or <laughs> program on PlayStation. Uh, giving yeah. us free access to a bunch of games. Um, and, of course, so the new PS5 controller. Uh, kind of a weird controller, but uh, I'm really excited to see what's going to come of the next-gen consoles, but that's going to be a bit delayed um, yeah. as we go along. I also want to mention uh, one of our partners here at UAV Radio, Husky Herald. They got their new website, huskyherald.com. This was during our open mic night that Brandon was talking about this really cool stuff on here so i do want to highlight their amazing work as well on on our instagram we uh, did an open mic night earlier in the week uh we'll definitely do more uh down the road uh so if you want to join us uh let follow follow that instagram account at ua radio and definitely join us because those stuff was really fun on wednesday can i do a comedy set on one of those I did a couple stories, uh, which I can tell on here really quick if you would like me to. All right, yeah. Uh, I can actually do one. Uh, so I was, I, I, I told you this story, and I think you were laughing really, really hard. But um, there was this, so I was flying back home from Toronto with my family, and we're at baggage claim. And we look to the left of us, and this guy trying to bring a chainsaw on the plane. Oh, yeah. The guy's got like this huge chainsaw and he's trying to bring it on the plane. I'm like, what is this guy doing? I was so baffled by that. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I'll probably talk about the time I met. Um, yeah, you know. Yeah. Big, uh, big, big 12 in the elevator. <laughs> yeah. Aaron Rodgers. We're not going to mention that on the pod, but that would be fun for a comedy set for sure. uh, Uh, But anyways. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers would be a great guest on the show uh, just for that reason alone. Oh, for real. (laughs) Like, hey, do you Um, remember? No? Okay. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right, Shane. Thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, Yeah, man. Good stuff. I'm uh, I'm looking um, forward to re- when we can really <laughs> meet up again and yeah. all that. Just got to be patient. It'll happen. Draft next week, man. We're going to have some fun yep. stuff planned. We're still trying to iron all this stuff out. 
we will we'll let you guys know what we're going to be doing for the draft. We hopefully are going to have some fun stuff planned. We were going to do something much bigger, but fortunately with everything that's happened, we couldn't. Yeah. So it's all right. We will, we will do something fun next week. Uh, we will not have our regularly scheduled timing of the show, uh, but we will have shows for you guys next week. So we're really excited for that. NFL draft. Really excited for that. Again, thank you very much for joining me, Shane, and we will see you all next week. See ya.